Well, everybody, good morning to you guys. How are you doing out there? This is Easter Sunday morning, and we're at the church right now celebrating and reveling in who Jesus is because we know what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. I hope you guys enjoyed that worship set. I'm so proud of our worship team putting together times for us to enter into God's presence. The Bible says that he enthrones the praises of his people. That is when you and I praise him, when we see his handiwork and we notice who he is and we explore him in song or in meditation, he's right there with you. So I hope you enjoyed that time. All this is going to be archived. You can watch it later. But it is Easter Sunday. It's the biggest day in the entire year for every single person, whether they know it or not. Because you see, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, the Lord's Day, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, conquering both sin and death, is the one day that changes every day. Check this out. It changes your past days, your present day, and your future days. There's no other person that has the power <laughs> to change all of those days at once. I could give you some good advice right now, and hopefully I will, that might change your future days. Might give you something to think and something to consider and some wisdom to use that will keep your future days straight. But I really can't give you anything to change your past days. The only person who can do that is Jesus Christ, who when he died on the cross, suffered in your stead and in your place, taking your sins with him to hell. He suffered for you if you're a Christian, if you're a believer. That's the good news. That's why we get so fired up about Easter is because Jesus changes your past, present, and your future. And if you believe this, that is that Jesus died and that he rose again from the dead and that he's still alive today. If you believe that, check this out then all of the promises of God are yes and amen for you in Jesus. It has very little, if anything at all, to do with you or me or our church. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. And this is the good news. This is why we proclaim with every energy and every effort and every resource we have, Jesus is Real. And so happy Easter to you guys this morning. I want you to consider this deeply because maybe you've been in a funk for a while. Maybe you with me here on Corona week five are finding yourself asking questions and wondering what in the world is going on? Listen, you've got to continue to have an eternal perspective with the temporal perspective. Have an eternal view within your temporal view because things are being challenged right now. Things are difficult. Things are uncertain. And yet the one thing remains the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Check this out. The resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is different than every other person that has ever lived. Did you know that the whole entire dating system of the universe revolves around one man's birth? It goes from B.C. to A.D., all revolving around Jesus Christ. This is why we make a big deal out of Jesus, because he was the one who changes everything. And as we look to what he said, listen, listen, this is important. You're going to find some wisdom and some insight and some value to what he said. But more so than just alone what he said is what he did after he said what he said. Because you see, what Jesus said was profound and transcendent and life-changing. 
but it's what Jesus did that proves who Jesus is and what he said is true. Because I can say a lot of good stuff and be pretty smart and give you some wisdom and some parables and rhymes that even might confuse you. But then when I die, I'm gonna stay dead. And when I die, I'm not gonna be able to give to you then the power to accomplish the things that I said to do. That's the difference between me and Jesus. See, Jesus said what to do. And then he provided his own power as a gift to you. He provided his own atonement as a covering for you. He provided the proof with the pudding in order that you might be able to do possibly with the same power that rose him from the dead is now given to you to live your life in Christ. This is such good news for Christians, for non-Christians, for every single person with an ear to hear. The Bible declares over and over, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And so my challenge to you today, whether you're a believer, you're celebrating Easter during this time of uncertainty and tumultuous realities. Where's your foundation? What are you latched into? Where does your anchor find itself? Or if you're a non-believer and you're wondering, man, oh man, oh man, what in the world's really going on here? Let me encourage you. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, there are 27 books. In the first four are all about the same person. Matthew gets a chance to write a book of the Bible. He's like, I'm going to write about Jesus. And he writes the book of Matthew. It's crazy. We're reading it right now. We're in Matthew chapter 6 right now. And then Mark gets on the scene. He's like, I'm going to write a book too. What are you going to write about, Mark? I'm going to write about Jesus. And he writes the same story, different angle. And then Luke comes on the scene. And Luke says, I'm going to write a book too. He's a doctor. And, and Luke writes a book and he's going to write it about Jesus as well. John, finally the fourth writer of the New Testament, is like, all right, I'm going to throw my book in the hat too. Like, what do you got? What do you got, John? He's like, I'm going to write about Jesus also. Here's my point. These guys, like four witnesses on an intersection, all saw and knew Jesus in his life, burial, death, and resurrection, and all wanted to tell his story. Wouldn't one gospel be enough? One would think. John actually ends his epistle, and he says something crazy. He says that in Jesus' life, there were so many things that he did that if you were to record them all, there wouldn't be enough libraries in the world, enough paper in the world to write down all that Jesus did. Now, again, I say that to two groups of people, the saints and the ain'ts. I say it to the saints because you guys forget it, man. You forget how good God is and what he's done, and you start to trip out and wig out and spaz out. I see you. I'm friends with you on Facebook, and I'm a saint too. That is, I believe in Jesus. And I get weirded out. I, I forget sometimes. So I need to be reminded. And for the ain'ts, the people who aren't there yet, what I mean by that is you don't believe. You just don't believe. You, you see Jesus and you don't believe yet. You're an ain't. And what you need to know is why in the world would you do that? Believe in Jesus. There's zero reason for you not to believe in Jesus. There's a few hundred or maybe a few thousand reasons for you not to be my best friend or believe in me. I'm Luke Frechette. I'm not that cool. But there's zero reasons for you not to believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus said things. He taught things. He did things. And then he died. And then he rose from the dead. Did you know that Buddha was also a leader and a teacher and said many things? And people have gained wisdom and value from his teachings. But you see, you can go to Sri Lanka 
later this week. Well, actually, you can't travel anywhere, but when Corona's over, you can go to Sri Lanka if you want, and you can go to the Temple of the Tooth, and you can see where Buddha's tooth is buried. They got his little tooth there, and you can see if he was good with his dental hygiene or not, and you can, you know, learn from him in that way. But he, he died, and he stayed dead. You can go to Mohammed's grave there in Saudi Arabia, in Medina, and go to the Green Dome, and there's Mohammed's remains. He taught and led people and said things that impacted people. And then he died and he stayed dead. You could go to Khufu, China and look up where they buried Confucius. There next to Genghis Khan and his tribe. And there Confucius lies to this day dead. Check this out. This is crazy. I, our, our Israel trip got canceled. We were supposed to leave May 16th. Israel, And when we go to Israel, we take people to one of three different sites where they believe Jesus was buried and where he rose from the dead. It's the garden tomb. It's where I believe it happened. But they don't actually know if that's where they buried Jesus. You know why they don't know it for certainty? I can take you to Khufu, China and Medina and all these places. I can tell you for a fact this is where these men are to this day. <laughs> they actually don't know where Jesus was buried. And here's why. Because he didn't stay buried. He bounced. He was in the tomb for three days and then he left. And they forgot about that holy site, that sacred location, because Jesus isn't there. He's gonzo, man. Well, where is he then? He's alive. He's alive. And witness after witness after hundreds and thousands of witnesses saw him and testify through the scriptures in their own testimony that Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. It's the one thing that changes all things. I say all that because there are two groups of people watching right now, saints and aints, and we need to all be shook up during this time. And so when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all have different stories. Matthew has his own pace in 28 chapters, and Mark, man, he is so fast. He skips Jesus' birth, goes right into his baptism, and 16 chapters, he wrote his epistle. Mark 16 is where we're going to be today. He wrote his epistle to the Romans. The Romans were a no-nonsense kind of people. And they didn't want to have a bunch of details. They just wanted facts and action. And so Mark, Johnny Mark, John Mark wrote the book of Mark, 16 chapters, very fast paced. And then Luke came on the scene. He was the last writer of the epistles to write. And he wrote an orderly account. He was a doctor. And John wrote his epistle for the whole world. So we might see that Jesus is God. My point is this. Each of the gospel writers included certain parts and excluded certain parts. Certain miracles are added and excluded. They just didn't record that part. Certain details, they're all very different, except for the ending. Each one of them ends with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I say that to say this, because that's the whole point. It's the whole point. Do not miss this point. This is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, the most attended church service throughout the year in the world. And you're watching at home in your jam jams. You know, hopefully you had an Easter egg hunt in your living room and, and you're celebrating in one way, shape or another. But do not miss the point. And so the story is recorded for us. Take your Bibles now to Mark 16. And we're going to go quickly through the text and see what it was like on that very first Easter Sunday, that very first Resurrection Sunday. Because it wasn't like it is now with anticipation and grandeur, but instead it was with devastation and depleted hopes. Read it with me. Verse 1 of chapter 16, it says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, that would be Saturday. The Sabbath was Saturday. 
Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Stop right there and eyes up here. When the Sabbath had passed, these gals woke up very early in the morning, wiping away the snot from their noses and the tears from their eyes because it wasn't a very happy Sabbath. It was a sad Sabbath. Now, I don't want to go into great detail, but the Sabbath was a wonderful day. The Sabbath was intended to be a day of rest and joy and enjoying each other's presence, making eye contact and celebrating the fruits of their labors. And yet this Saturday, this Sabbath was a sad Sabbath. You know why? Listen, everything they'd been hoping in, everything they'd been trusting in, everything they'd been waiting for seemingly overnight was taken from them. And they found themselves saying, what in the world just happened? Is this real life? See, Jesus Christ, who was their friend, their companion, their leader, their rabbi, had suddenly been arrested and falsely tried and accused and brutally murdered. And it was over before it even began. And they must have been asking themselves, that Sabbath is over. How can we go on? What do we look for now? And maybe you're in a situation similar to that yourself. You're on quarantine week 355. I don't know what's going on. I don't even know what day it is. We've been home and we're wondering how bad's it going to get? What's going on? And maybe your economics have been shaken or your health and fears are shaken. Maybe your academics or your teacher or a student has been shaken. Or maybe you had plans like we all had plans this spring. And it's the temptation is to think it's over. There's nothing good to come from this. Could anything good come from this? This is horrible. We know the rest of the story. They're about to get up. They're going to go to the tomb. You know the story. The stone's going to be away. Jesus is going to be alive. Ah, it's going to be crazy. We get to study it. So that way today we can have hope. Because I'll bet you're thinking, there's no good from this coronavirus. There's no good going to come from this quarantine. This, this thing, this issue. Listen, if you go seek Jesus during this time, like these ladies did, with your faith as small as it was, if you go seek Jesus right now, early it says in the morning, this would be legally the soonest time that they would be able to break quarantine from their homes and go to the body of Jesus. They couldn't go anytime earlier. It'd be illegal. And as soon as they were able to, they did. Let me just give you this simple challenge right now. Seek the Lord right now today, please. But for the rest of your life, early in every situation, early in the day, early in your marriage, early in a health crisis, early in a hobby, early in an opportunity, early, early, just, man, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. These gals early in the morning seek Jesus, even though he's dead, even though it's gone, their hopes are broken. I bet their hearts were bleeding on the inside. Mary Magdalene loved Jesus. He had saved her life, changed her heart, delivered her from demons and oppression. And now her friend was gone and yet she knew, I'm just gonna go by faith. I'm gonna do what I can do. Maybe you're sitting there at home and it's hard to rally that faith. It's hard to even clean your garage. You, you know, you just lost all momentum. It's hard to plan for the summer. I, I get it, okay? Seek Jesus in the midst 
of the challenge, in the midst of the issue. Well, it says that these gals rose up early to bring spices to Jesus before the sun had risen. Look at verse 3. And they said among themselves, I love these girls so much, who will roll the stone away from the door of the tomb for us? Stop right there, eyes up here. (laughs) These gals are waking up. The guys are all still home sleeping and snotting and slobbering and crying. And the girls say, let's go anoint Jesus. Let's go. And they're walking there. And all of a sudden, one of them realizes, did anybody bring the key to the tomb? You know what I mean? This is a, a two and a half ton stone rolled in front of the tomb. Matthew tells us that there were guards, Roman guards, posted at the door. Like nobody's getting in or out. And all of a sudden, though, it it dawns on them. And let me just give these girls some credit. You know what they had? Check this out. And I want you to have this too. They had naive faith. Naive faith. The next right thing for them to do was to go tend to the dead body of Jesus. No, no matter what was in the way, they, that was what they needed to do. And so they just stepped out. They ste- You know what they could have done? They could have stayed home. They could have stayed in bed and said, you know what, man, we can't do this because we don't have the key and there's no way. But instead they did the only thing, pay attention, write this down. They did the only thing they could do. They got up and they went. Here's the good news. Here's the best news. In this life and in your Christianity and in my journey, it's the best thing you're going to hear all day. It's not about you. It's about Jesus and what he can do. Had they not just gotten out of bed, they wouldn't have been able to see the miracles that were coming their direction. That's all they had to do is show up. And God invites you right now, just show up. Just show up. Come seek me early in the morning. By yourself, dads, by yourself, moms, together as a husband and wife with your kids. Just seek me in your marriage. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, it's too late, Pastor Luke. My marriage is dead. (laughs) Uh, Pretty sure Jesus was dead too. And they just showed up and the stone would be rolled away. See, here's what the Lord wants from you right now. Listen, I'm gonna tell you right now what he wants from you, whatever you got. He just wants whatever you got. Let me say it differently. You know what the Lord doesn't want from you? What you don't have. Sometimes we don't seek the Lord or trust the Lord or follow the Lord because we're aware of all the things we don't have. I don't have a key to the tomb. I don't got this stuff, you know. I don't know the Romans. I don't got this... God is not worried about what you don't have. He doesn't give a rip about what you don't have. He's given you what you do have, a naive faith. As a matter of fact, when God contracted Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, Moses argued and he pushed back. And he had all these crazy excuses. And finally in Exodus chapter four, verse two, God looks at Moses. He's like, Moses, you got anything? What do you have? He's like, uh, I got a stick. Remember that? I got a stick. And God's like, Perfect, Momo. The stick. (laughs) Bring the stick everywhere you go for the next 40 years in the wilderness. Just bring that stick everywhere you go. And if you need water, I'll use the stick. If you need meat, I'll use the stick. If you have an enemy, I'll use the stick. If you need deliverance, I'll use the stick. A stick. A stick. You see, the Lord wants us to realize that he doesn't want us to worry about what we don't have. What do you have, though? What do you? Just show up. Just step out in faith. God did the same thing with David. David, he said, David, I want you to be the new king and come with me. And David's like, I got a slingshot. That's like, there's enemies, real bad guys. I got a Perfect, bring the slingshot. That's all you need, just bring the slingshot. And he said, well, I write these psalms and, and I sing to you too. He's like, cool, 
We're going to write a couple of Bible books out of that. We're going to write the song. You know, we're going we're to use what you do have. In the New Testament, there were some people that need to be fed and there wasn't enough food. And so Jesus looked at Andrew and said, what, what do you have? He said, well, we got this Happy Meal. Well, somebody already took the toy and they spilled the soda. So it's just some fish sticks and a, a roll. And so Jesus said, that's perfect. Give me your fish and chips. And he took the five loaves and two fish. You guys know the story. And he prayed and gave it back. Guys, this story illustrates for you and for me that when God takes what we do have, our little bit of faith, he can open up doors and remove obstacles. I've been walking with the Lord long enough to see that it's not about me. It's about him and me naively by faith, stepping out of the boat, seeing what he'll do. Guys, it's 2020, April 12th, and God wants to use people. This hasn't changed and it won't change. Don't let your past or your present inabilities dictate if you're gonna step out and serve the Lord in the coming months and years. Let him use whatever you have. Well, these gals, they just use their simple faith. And it says, verse four, but when they looked up, they're talking, who's going to remove the stone? When they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away for it was very large. The stone had already been taken care of. Wouldn't it make sense to you movie writers and producers out there that they get there and the stone's still in place? You know, like, okay, okay, okay. And then it rolls away. No, no. God preemptively acted and he already did the heavy lifting. Jesus says something crazy in the New Testament. He said, I want you to yoke up with me and go with me. My, my way is easy and my burden is light. A yoke would be a, an equally shared burden between two ox. And so that way they would carry this burden. And Jesus like, yeah, I want you to throw this, this yoke on Luke and, and we'll see how much you can carry is <laughs> the idea. When in reality, Jesus is carrying it all. He's carrying it all. The stone. I've been walking with Jesus long enough to know this, guys. There will be obstacles. There will be perplexities. There will be challenges. You can trust him that when they looked up, they're like, whoa. Hey, the stone's already rolled away. It's already rolled away. Now, just so you guys know, Jesus isn't in the tomb. We, we, we've read the story. The stone was rolled away, not so Jesus could get out. Let me out of here, you know. The stone was rolled away so that way they and others and me and you could get in. God does heavy lifting in order to bring people nearer to him. This is his business. This is what he does. Let's keep going. Look at verse five. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. They see this homie in there like, this guy's a tomb squatter, man. He's like, I'm, <laughs> they, they just imagine first resurrection day, Easter Sunday. And they show up. And look what this guy says, verse six, because it gets better. But he said to them, do not be alarmed, because they were alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified? Pfft, he's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? Stop right there. And eyes up here. I want you to catch this, because it's so important. This is so important for a lot of you watching. A lot of you South Beach Church family and, and people beyond. I got things in my life I need removed. And the Lord wants to remove those things. When, when I was walking away from the Lord, I called him the big five. It was chewing and smoking and drinking and drug dealing and chasing girls. Those were the big five things that were in my life that needed to be removed. And, and God, through his grace, helped me to get rid of those sins and vices and to repent and be restored. And yet the Lord says, cool, 
good job. Those, those things are removed. But the Lord says, there's more. There's more. There's new life for you, Luke, a new heart, a deeper work. And can I say this to some of you? These girls, they get there. They don't expect Jesus to be alive yet. The stone's gone. You and I are like, oh, this is the best day ever. It's a big barrier. Why? In order to get to a dead Jesus and to do a dead ministry and to do a dead thing that's next. But with God, he wants to take you deeper. He does want to remove those stones from your life. He wants you to walk in sobriety and in recovery. We have so many people here at South Beach in recovery. And I'm so thankful. They're just walking in in sobriety and, and they're clean. Okay. The stone has been removed. Listen, though, God doesn't want to just stop there. These ladies walk in. They weren't expecting this angel there with that message. They had their spices ready for a dead guy. Oh, cool. There's a miracle. The rock's gone. That's helpful. That's helpful. I wonder what that means. If God has removed a barrier in your life, it's only because he just is now starting the real ministry for your life. All those things, man, they got to go for sure. Not that hard to identify. But what the Lord wants to do next is what this angel says. And he says, it just keeps getting better and better with Jesus. This angel says to him, you guys are seeking Jesus. He's not here. Verse six, he is risen from the dead. See the place where they laid him. I like this angel because I'm sure he's watching their countenance and reaction. And they're like, uh, I don't know if I believe you, homie. And so he says, just check it out. Go ahead, look. And you know what they did? They checked it out and looked. My wife and I have been to Israel twice, been to the garden tomb and other various locations of where they would bury people and they're all empty. There's nobody there. There's no body. There's no memorial, no, no, no temple because it's empty. It's vacated. And this angel wasn't afraid to have them check it out. And can I just say something for you ain'ts out there? And I don't mean to be offensive by saying that, but there's just two people, saints and ain'ts. Can I just encourage you? Check it out. Straight up, look into it. Don't take my word for it. Man, you better check it out. This angel, look into the things of Jesus because here's the good news. I have been doing this, holding people's hands, walking with folks. Once you see Jesus, you'll never unsee Jesus. Once you check it out, once you know, your knower will come alive and my job will be done. You'll have introduced yourself and met with Jesus Christ. The one person that changes all things. And this angel, he had this confidence. He said, check it out. Look right here. Look at verse seven. This angel now, as these gals are realizing, okay, Jesus isn't here, that's for sure. The angel says he is alive. That's new. They weren't expecting that. Then the angel says, verse seven, but go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee and there you will see him as he has said to you. And they went out quickly and fled from the tomb. Stop right there, eyes up here. Mark writes this and it's just so fast paced. If I were Mary, I'd be like, well, let me just ask you a few more questions. Number one, is it hot or cold in heaven? Like what's going on? You know, asking this angel questions. But instead, this angel just says, go and tell Peter, the disciples, that Jesus is going before them and he'll meet them in Galilee. And here's my point. These gals are now asked to be the very first gospel tellers, the very first preachers of the good news immediately after Jesus rose from the dead. Listen, this is the very first, in my opinion, great commission where they're asked to go share who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Notice though, it says specifically, and tell Peter. It's kind of cool. 
This angel knew who Peter was. Everybody knew who Peter was. And Peter was bigger than life. And his sins, you guys know Peter's sins just hours before this event, were super dark. He had betrayed the Lord. He had denied the Lord. He had deserted the Lord. And if anybody needed to hear that Jesus was alive, more than anybody else, it was my man Peter. Peter needed it more. Maybe you need it right now. Maybe you need to know that the Lord indeed is alive because your sins like Peter are so embarrassing and the things you've done, the places you've gone, the things you've looked at, the things you've handled, they're embarrassing, incriminating. And you need to know Jesus Christ died and he rose from the dead. He's victorious over your sin and over your folly. Forgiveness can be had in Jesus' name. Now, two things I want you to know about Peter. Number one, he needed it to be true for himself. And also, number two, Peter was needed in the future. This is so important. Peter needed this to be true, but this needed to be true for Peter. Did you know that God had a call on Peter's life, even though Peter had blown it? Even though Peter had failed, even though Peter had miserably dropped the ball? See, Jesus had already given the keys to the kingdom of heaven to Peter in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus had already declared that on Peter's confession, he was going to build the church. If you read the book of Acts, you see that God used Peter in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 10 to bring the Holy Spirit and the gospel to the entire world. Please listen to this. If you've sinned, if you've dropped the ball, if you've come up short, you need Jesus to be alive, okay? Just like me. But once you figure that out, did you know something? This world needs you to walk in that truth. This world needs you to be the one who then goes into the other parts of the world and shares the truth with your family. Maybe you're a Christian watching this right now and you struggle with your faith and belief and, and it's very personal and it's your own deal and I get it. Okay, listen, it's not about you. You need to hear the message of Jesus Christ in order that you might be Peter in order that you might go out, in order that you might be Mary Magdalene, in order that you might be the voice of God. There's this thing in Christianity, in America at least, this consumerism, where it's all about me and I want to get saved, which is good, and I want to go to worship, which is good, and I want to you know, get Christianity. The reality is God wants to change your life in order to get the salt out of the shaker. Why would the angel say, oh, make sure Peter's there too? God had future works laid out for Peter to walk in. This is what fires me up. I'm just like you, by the way. Okay, I hear the enemy's voice in my ears. I don't want to always be kind. I don't want to always be loving. I don't want to be a servant. I don't always want to be used in, in those ways. I just want to just, I just want to, just want to chill. And yet the Lord says, Luke, have I saved you? Yeah, you have. Okay then you get out there and you share with the people around you. I saved you in order to use you. God's doing the same thing right now, saints. Man, even right now, just consider how God wants to use you. And ain't God wants to save you. This is what God does. Check this out. And they went out quickly, verse eight, and fled from the tomb for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Just check this out. These girls are running super fast. Everyone's getting waking up in the morning. They're going to ultralight to get their coffee, you know, and they're blowing by people. Don't talk to nobody. You know, one of the other gospels says that they were full of joy. Can you imagine this? You go to the temple, to the tomb, 
you know, and he sees some miracles and angels there. And he says, go tell Peter, go tell everyone. This changes everything. And so they go with joy. Guys, I hope you're full of joy right now. Earlier this week, I was talking to some friends of mine who got baptized last year. And I was listening to them tell their story about the baptism and the joy that they had getting in the tank and what God was doing in their hearts. And then it was so fresh. And, and, and this is how the Lord works in our lives. And that joy then is used to catapult us into ministry. These ladies go and they tell, look at this story. We're going to finish up here. It says, now when he arose early on the first day, this is Jesus. We're kind of backing up a little bit now. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast out seven demons. And so she, this is kind of just showing the story from a different angle. She went and she told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. She gets now to the house where Peter's at and the disciples. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. (laughs) Oh, man. Can you imagine Mary Magdalene? All fired up. She didn't just have an encounter with the angel only in an empty tomb in a rolled away stone, okay? Jesus Christ actually met her on the road and broke it down for her. She is next level fired up, okay? Kind of like your Pentecostal grandma, you know, who's seen the Lord high and lifted up and just won't stop talking about Jesus everywhere she goes, you know what I'm saying? She shows up and these aren't even just kind of like agnostic fringe guys, These are the disciples. These are the ones who were with Jesus and saw him do miracles. These are the ones who were with Jesus and heard him teach, I will be crucified and on the third day rise from the dead. She shows up on the third day from his death, says he's alive. They don't believe. (laughs) I take great comfort in that because occasionally I find my belief wavering. We call it the thief of unbelief. Where you find yourself, I don't know if I, I just don't know if I believe. What do, you, what do you mean you don't know if you believe? Well, I just don't know if I believe right now. Well, what evidence is there that has led you to not believe? Usually it's not evidence-based. Usually it's my feelings. These boys decided not to believe. Their faith wasn't as naive as the girls. It wasn't as simplistic and childlike, which is what the Lord wants from us, to simply believe. You see, God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. And yet there's this thief of unbelief, this problem we have. And yet God understands, and so he gives us ample evidence in order to over-counter and overcome our unbelief. Remember the disciples said to Jesus one time, Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. I am glad these verses are included for you and for me who are on our journey It says this, verse 12, after that, he appeared. This is all Sunday morning, the Easter Sunday. He appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. These guys had quit their journey. We see this in Luke 24. And Jesus pursues them. And then they went and they told it to the rest. But they did not believe them either. You guys know the story. It's one of my favorite stories. I usually use it in Easter Sunday teachings, Luke 24, where fresh out of the tomb, Jesus sees Mary Magdalene. And then he skedaddles out of Jerusalem and he finds two homies walking on the road to Emmaus, two guys who had their hearts broken and their dreams dashed. And Jesus shares with them the truth 
of his resurrection. These two guys, the Bible tells us, once they see him, he's alive, they turn around and walk six miles back into Jerusalem and they bust open the door of the disciples where Mary Magdalene had just been. And they say, guys, we saw him. He's alive. We broke bread with him. (laughs) And these disciples are listening going, it's just too hard to believe. What did you say? It's too hard to believe. We were just with him. We saw him. We know. Let me just say right now, I've seen him. I've seen him in my own life. I've seen him take me in my darkest days and redeem me and revive me. I've seen him in your lives and in my friends' lives. I've seen the Lord. And I plead with you who are not yet believers to simply become believers in Jesus right now during this coronavirus and the whole world is being shook up and everyone is asking good, important questions. Where's my peace? What do I believe? Where am I going when I die? Where's my safety and my hope? If it's in anything other than the one man who changes everything, it's too shaky. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ. They go on. It says afterward, verse 14 And I'm only going to go through three more verses. Afterward, he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Verse 14 is kind of a big verse. And in verse 15, it says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Jesus presented himself to Mary Magdalene. He presented himself to the two men on the road to Emmaus. And then that night, he showed up to the 11 and he walked through the door. What's up, boys? <laughs> and he rebukes them. Whoa. He disciplines them. Whoa. I want you to pay attention, Bible students especially. Bible students especially. You know what he rebuked them for? Not for denying him. That's what they had done. Not for betraying him. Not for acting like cowards not for acting like weirdos. You know what he rebuked them for? Not believing that he was alive. That's pretty intense. I would expect and be okay with Jesus making an object lesson out of Peter. Peter had used some curse words the night before. Little potty mouse. Peter had walked in fear and cowardice and compromise. That's... Listen, that's, that's, that's unfortunately part of our human nature and brokenness. It's part of the redemptive process. What Jesus, though, pointed out and said, you know what's not okay? You not believing what has been told to you about me. Now, let me say something. Because the belief determines the behavior. What you believe determines what you do. What you believe determines where you go. What you believe determines your eternity. It's not about the actions or what goes into a person that defiles a man. It's about what you believe about Jesus Christ. And right now, there are too many people who are locked up in their house the day after the Sabbath, crying and weeping and moaning because of your real problems and real situation. When God has declared by faith, he has overcome all of that. Yeah, but you don't know how hard I have it, Pastor Luke. We might say, and yet the Lord says, In this world, you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. How are we going to do that? By believing it. 
by believing it. And when you believe it, everything changes in the way that you behave, in the way you live, in the way that you find yourself interacting with God and with man. Here's my final point for consideration for Easter Sunday, 2020. Corona week five, quarantine, shelter in place. <laughs> Jesus rebukes his friends because he loves them. He's like, guys, you can't be acting like that. You can't be just not believing, okay? Then Jesus does something incredible. Immediately after that, the very next verse, Jesus says, now I want you to go into the rest of the world and preach to every creature the truth of my gospel, the truth of the good news. Stop right there, time out. You telling me we're in trouble, one second for not believing, and then the very next second we're commissioned to go and preach to everyone? Yeah, that's the grace of God and how Jesus works. He convicts you. Okay? And then he commissions you. This is such good news. You who are watching right now, God will convict you of your sins, oh, your failures, oh, your inadequacies. Oh, okay? And then he'll cleanse you. And then he'll commission you instantaneously. He doesn't sit in the stuff and make you grovel and whine and moan and penance and work for your salvation. He doesn't do any of that. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Today you will be with me in paradise. The declarations of the cross. And now Jesus comes and he convicts because he must convict you of your sin. He must. And he convicted his friends of their sin, but immediately he commissioned them to move forward. This is why grace changes everything. Moms, dads, Leaders, pastors, teachers, sons and daughters, may the conviction of the Lord Jesus Christ be upon us quickly to then commission us to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Jesus should have rebuked these guys. You, you quit, you bozos, you non-believers. I'm gonna go find some other people. That's what he should have done. That's what he should have done. That's what he didn't do. Instead, he commissioned them. Here's what I wanna do at the end of this teaching right now. I wanna ask you, where are you? Are you a believer or a non-believer? Today, the Lord would have you do not be a non-believer. There is zero reason for you to be a non-believer. There is zero. People say, well, if God would prove it, he's already proven it. Eyewitnesses writing their accounts, there's already enough proof. It is not for lack of evidence that people reject the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, it is because of a hard heart and a stiff neck. But you can believe today. You can believe and the second question I would ask, the first question is, is are you a believer today? Be a believer today. Just believe. Just, oh, okay, I'm not a believer. Just do it. And the second question is for the believers here. Have you received the commission to go into all the world? It's kind of scary when it says go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You're like, oh, I'm so glad there's some preachers out there doing that. I don't know how to preach. Listen, literally what it means is to go out and to be a witness, to be evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your life, my life, our lives as believers is to be evidence of heaven on earth. But I gotta ask you, are you doing that? Are, are you willing to be sent? Are you willing to be used? So this Easter Sunday, two questions. And I want you guys to write these in the comment section below. Maybe you're posted up on your lazy boy and you're watching on the big screen and <laughs> eating popcorn, you know, and you comment later, you know, post a picture. Two things I want you to write in the bar below as you make a response today. Number one, I believe. 
I want you to write, I believe. If you're going to make that decision today, I believe. I want to see how many people today will say, I believe. I believe. Just simply put, I believe. Maybe go on Facebook later today. Just put, I believe. Okay, let's flood the internet with, I believe today. And for the Christians out there who already believe, okay, you can post that too if you want, but for the Christians who already believe, I want you to put in your comment section, if you want, send me. Send me. Hashtag send me. Put it, put it in your, your Facebook post later today. Send me. Jesus is the one thing that changes everything. And he has chosen to make his message known through messengers, through whatever resources and avenues and ever platforms he chooses to. And that's you and that's me. So I'm gonna ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, for those who are watching online, Lord, those who are listening later, those who are tuning in, Lord, this is so true even today, right now. We need a savior, one who can speak life into this world of death and chaos and confusion. And in Jesus' name, would you minister to my friends? And if you're home watching right now, you want to become a believer, you're going to write that later on in the comment section. That's not as important as what you're going to do now, but you want to become a believer. Would you right now invite Jesus into your heart? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Live with me. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Give me your Holy Spirit that I might live for you on this earth. Lord, take me to heaven when I die. And until then, may I be pleasing to you and may I find my pleasure in you in Jesus' name. And you become a believer. And for you who are believers out there, pray this prayer, Lord. Lord, would you send me? Lord, would you use me? Would you take my life, Lord? You're shaking everything up and all of my comforts are now being stripped down. Would you use me, Lord, and send me? Use my life however you want. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for Lincoln County and for beyond Newport and Toledo and Walport, Lincoln City and Depot Bay and Logsdon and Solettes, Lord. My friends living all around here in Jesus' name. Seal Rock, Lord, and Glen Eden Beach and Lincoln Beach. Lord, and Tillamook up the road and Lord Yahats and all the way down to Florence and Reedsport, Lord. Jan and Ken down there in Jesus' name. Bless them. Lord, have your mercy upon us. Keep doing work, Lord. We don't know how much time we have, but we believe simply, would you roll away the stones that are in the way? Would you do a mighty work in our hearts so you might do a mighty work through our lives? Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen. Look, it's 2020. People have been preaching messages out of this portion of scripture for almost 2,000 years. And I don't know how much longer we have. The Bible says that the day of salvation is nearer today than ever before. And I don't want you guys to waste any time and I don't want to waste my life. And so right now during this time of quarantine and Corona, we don't know what God is going to do next. But I do know this. It's not about you. It's about him. And so just simply show up. Lord, use me. I'm a stay at home mom. I'm a single dad. I'm a young man. I'm a young gal. I'm old, I'm married, whatever, whatever the case is, Lord, would you use me? And he's going to do whatever he wants to do. And you can trust him. It's going to be good. Guys, we love you so much. We miss you. Looking forward to having our services back together at the church one day. I don't know when it's going to be so legit. Until then, connect with us. Send us email, southbeachchurch at gmail.com or our Facebook page. 
We're doing Zoom meetings. We'd love to Zoom with you online. And our Celebrate Recovery is Zooming on Tuesdays at 6.45, the men's group and the women's group. And then there's ways you can connect. And, and I believe God wants you to connect with Him, though, in your worship, in your journaling, in your continuation of our 5 by 5 reading program. We're in the book of Matthew right now. Chapter 6, I believe, is where we're at here on whatever day it is, April 12th. And Man, God wants to grow you and produce more fruit through you. If you want to send in your tithe and offering check and, and worship God in that way, you can do so to South Beach Church at P.O. Box 950, Newport, Oregon, 97365. All that's on our website at southbeachchurch.org. Guys, we love you. We know that the Lord in His return is very soon. And so may we be found to be doing those two things that He said are most important, loving God and loving each other. God bless you guys very much. We will see you again just as soon as we get back together. God bless you.